Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to St Swithin's. <clears throat> Do you know, it's curious. Most summers, as a family, we pack up our stuff, we get a tent, we take it to a showground somewhere <clears throat> in England, and we put up our tent and spend our time with possibly up to 20,000 other Christians in a muddy field where it rains. And we do that in our holidays. I mean, that's strange behaviour, isn't it? But the desire to experience more of God's presence to know more of God, to experience more of God, is a cost worth bearing. Finding and experiencing God in a tent is nothing new, as we'll look at this morning. Chapters 25 to 31 and 34 onwards in Exodus see God instructing Moses and his people to build this tent of meeting, this tabernacle. Chapter 25 begins with these words. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from, for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. Then verse 8, then let them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell with them, among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God wants to be with us. And God calls his people to build a place for God to be present with his people. Why? So God can be with us. God is moving closer from the mountaintop where he met with Moses to now being at the heart of people in the middle of the camp. And chapter 35 onwards details how God's people follow his instructions in furnishing the tabernacle with fixtures, equipment, putting it all in its right place. <clears throat> so much of the story of Exodus is devoted to the building of this tent of meeting. You know, we can't ignore that. This sanctuary, this tabernacle, pitched right in the centre of the camp, is important to God. This tent is to be a real, visible, practical and spiritual residence for God's presence amongst them and with them. God really does want to be in relationship with us this morning. God seeks us out. God yearns for our company. I wonder whether you believe that this morning. After the fall in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve are hiding, God comes to the garden and the Bible records God saying the yearning question, where are you? Here is God taking the initiative, restoring, reconciling. God wants to be with us. God's heart of love yearns for connection with us because we are the apple of his eye. I wonder when in your life you can recall a time when you felt closely connected to God. Do you know, was that sweet? What are you doing at the minute in your life that allows God to draw near to you? You know, at Christmas, we celebrate that this same divine presence came and lived amongst us in the human form of Jesus. God has not given up on us this morning, on you or I. God wants to be with us. You know, but, but isn't there a problem with that? Do you know, how do we as failed, flawed, weak, vulnerable people and be in relationship with a holy, majestic, perfect, powerful creator of the universe. 
You know, the tent was both a temple of God's presence, but also a palace residing the, the residence of the king of Israel. When you read the text, it's hard not to be taken by the care, the love and the detail in the building of this tabernacle. There's attention to beauty, to splendour and to goodness. Because at heart we are worshipping people. Our worship matters to God. The architecture is precise. There are rich smells, rich aromas. There's beautiful fabric and there's sumptuous colours. There's splendour reflecting the nature and the character of the true creator God. And obviously one of the most visible um, features in the sanctuary was the altar of sacrifice. The place where sin is dealt with. You know, sometimes we wish we could just shrug off the, the idea of sin. You know, honestly, it's no big deal. It's just the way I am. I've heard that quite a number of times this week. But the sanctuary reminds the Israelites and reminds us that sin is a big deal. Sin damages ourselves, sin damages our relationship with God and it destroys things and other people. Sin is costly and it needs dealing with. And praise God, Jesus came permanently to deal with our sin once and for all. <clears throat> and we simply need to say, Lord, I repent. Please forgive me for all the things we've done wrong. And the sanctuary taught this through the sacrifice of a lamb. <clears throat> Jesus' life, death and resurrection were the perfect once and for all and sufficient sacrifice for us bringing healing, forgiveness, cleansing and restoration to us today. And you can accept God's forgiveness and God's healing and restoration today by simply saying, sorry to God, please forgive me. <clears throat> Once the tent of meeting is actually finished in Exodus 40, verse 33, this is what scripture uh, records. <clears throat> and so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter <clears throat> the tent of meeting, but the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. <clears throat> See, the tent was a visible reminder of God's presence to the people a place of encounter with the living God, God's earthly dwelling place to experience his loving presence and his power. And Jesus' life and death shows us how his love for each one of us is so deep, so real, that he's willing to go to death for you and I this morning, to reach us, to show us his love, to see us in relationship with him. And we Christians seem to forget the depth and magnificence of God's magnificent presence, his Holy Spirit. And all of us here need and actually our lives long for a deeper connection with God, a deeper experience of God. There is so much more of God we can discover. 
You know, we can simply be content with knowing about God. But it was in the 11th century when the church split east and west. The west chose the very rational route. The east were much more open and receptive to the dramatic power and presence of God. Thomas Aquinas was one of the great western church teachers in the early church history in the 13th century. He was a great thinker, a brilliant philosopher, and he's best known for his work called Summa Theologica, which was a weighty um, work on the knowledge of God. Bottom line is Aquinas had a massive brain and is really intellectual in his faith. He spent most of his life trying to show that human beings don't have a direct experience of spiritual reality. So he set out these logical proofs for God's existence, five reasons just from knowledge to uh, believe in God. But shortly before his death, he had such an overwhelming, direct experience with God that he stopped writing altogether. A friend of his urged him to complete his great work, The Summer Theologica, and he answered, I can do no more. Such things have been revealed to me now that, I have, that what I have written seems as straw, and now I await the end of my life. Such an extraordinary experience of the presence of God changed everything. I know some of us here may be a bit cautious, a bit anxious about it, but the Israelites, Aquinas, Wesley, the Pentecostals have taught us that we can't constantly obsess with, is our doctrine perfect? I can't constantly obsess with, are our reading plans of the Bible right? Is our church attendance the right thing? Is our morality is right? Are our programs right? When the Bible is asking, how real is our present experience of God this morning? How personally are you connected to the living God? God has made it his business to dwell with his people, to be present in our lives. He offers cleansing and freedom from sin and to taste and see the wonder and beauty and magnificence of his presence in our lives. The presence of God is a sweet aroma this Christmas. And the pursuit of God's presence and God's purposes doesn't generally begin in a you know, big flashy meeting. It starts with a very simple confession and a very simple request to God. You know, for my own soul, for my own soul, I need more of you, God. I need more of you, God. So will you say yes to God this morning? <clears throat> will you give your life to follow Jesus this week? Will you open your life to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of of the living God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Loving and saving God, thank you for your redeeming power. Thank you for your love uh, uh, for us. Thank you we offer our lives in, as a sacrifice of praise this morning to you. We long to discover more of you. In Jesus' name. Amen.